Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Raptor Podcast. I'm Robert Scarpinito, your features editor. Andrew Rotten, editor in chief. Robert Doggett, site founder. Andrew Stritch, reformed Orthodox rabbi editor. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. There was no way that I wasn't going to go with that one for this week. Yeah, but like it had to be a fifth person, like someone behind you that we were all just like, that's right. And then, <laughs> and then you finish in. Yeah, right. that guy, that Sanrio character, that's the uh -huh. reformed Orthodox rabbi editor. Oh, ah, I see. I'm glad. I'm glad that you have someone uh, like that on your, in your I room. I thought his name Always. was Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton, the famous Sanrio character, yeah. Hello yeah. um, Kitty and Bill Clinton. <laughs> if you don't know what we're referencing, I think you might have missed the weird-ass ending of the Game Awards where a trolley 15-year-old kid stole Elden Ring's thunder. Um, if you want to check out our Game Awards thoughts, though, we have a four-hour-ish long live stream on our YouTube channel where we get progressively drunker as we played a drinking game. Yep. And uh, we also have a short little video. This is kind of a quick wrap up of our thoughts. If you only have a short amount of time, you can check those out on YouTube. We're going to post the links down below in our show notes and description. And in this episode, we're going to get into Forspoken later in the show. But first, let's get into some news, some news that I have been wanting to talk about since the second it hit Twitter. Uh, John Garvin. Uh, former writer at the, the Ben studio uh, where he worked on Days Gone. Um, tweeted this this fun little thing out when someone else was uh, praising the game and saying, oh, I don't understand how games Days Gone didn't get universal praise from critics. John Garvin quote tweeted it and then said three reasons. One, it had tech issues like bugs, streaming, and frame rate. Two, it had reviewers who couldn't be bothered to actually play the game. And three, it had, well, actually three dot and three comma, it had woke reviewers who couldn't handle a gruff white biker looking at his date's ass. <laughs> Too woke to appreciate yeah. Days Gone. Well, you know, That's... when the, the woke cabal approaches you to pay you to be more woke, it's kind of hard to turn down their offer. You know what it I mean? really is. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from, because when I was playing through Days Gone, I just... I kept thinking about why doesn't this game have more gun control? And frankly, that was really, uh, really <laughs> triggering me throughout my playthrough. And I just couldn't, couldn't finish beating this, this mediocre zombie game. What's that got to do with the dude looking at his date's ass? Well, I'm just, I'm woke. So I'm thinking about all the other woke opinions oh. that I carry that I, I um, bring to my gaming table. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's I just that like... one scene where like his dates, like climbing up a ladder, right. And he's commenting. I haven't played the game. I have no intention to, but I just remember seeing that and being like, like kind of a weird thing to throw in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that it's right after to like a very uh, Trumpian slander at the media. They didn't even play the game, you know, which is just classic, classic. Yeah, the media sucks. Total bullshit. Mm -hmm. Reviewers play the game everywhere like any big uh, everybody always likes to talk shit about ign they don't get paid for their reviews by anybody that's mm -hmm. absurd like the only people that like the, the game companies do offer people to pay for reviews but they're also all the shitty companies from games you've never heard of because nobody takes up their offer yeah <laughs> they're all scammy little games that nobody ever hears about yeah, it's it's like Schrodinger's media sucks, right? Is right. that at the same time we are being paid off to give good reviews, but also we don't play the video games we review. Exactly. And yeah. also can't handle gruff white men. 
Yes. And somebody commented on our Callisto Protocol review this morning and said, uh, I liked it. The reviewer didn't play the game. Classic. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I think so, that's yeah. really where a lot of reviewers forget is that reviews are, are I mean, they're, they're opinionated reviews. Um, you know, they can take some very literal, like technical, like uh, looks at the game. Um, I see on our Days Gone review, um, you know, we had cons for terrible writing, tacked on fourth act, annoying game mechanics, boring horde fights, an abundance of glitches. Um, that like, yeah, you know, a, a important thing to do with reviews and with reviewers is find a reviewer who shares your opinion of games, even if they move yeah. site to site, follow the person whose opinion you most align with. And that's when you're going to get it best. But if this guy is walking around thinking that everyone smells like shit, he probably needs to check his own shoe. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't have every reviewer, you know, criticize it and then think, well, it's, you know, it's like the, the Seymour, Seymour Skimmer, blah, Seymour Skinner, Skinner meme of, you know, is it, is it me who's wrong? No, it must be all the reviewers that are wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, that's one thing too i'm glad that you brought up our review because i think generally from what i remember of the reviews of the game i can't think of one time where explicitly the con like the reason i'm taking one point off of my score is because this gruff white biker stares at his date's ass for a, a couple seconds uh, my guess is the vast majority of reviews didn't even mention it that just got memed hard on the internet because it was cringe yeah, mm -hmm. like, like a lot it. of the writing. Yeah, it's yeah. like the as long as you ride me as hard as you ride your bike. It's like that. Li yeah. Like this, this man's wrote that line. It was yeah. like genius. Yeah, how, how do they cringe, not get this ten? No notes. Yeah. Okay, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I think we're just hot off. Like it, it makes me laugh so much that we're hot off God of War, featuring probably one of the gruffest white dudes and that, that game got like a 10 like 10s across yeah. the board granted it didn't stare at a date's ass or anything but still yeah. i don't think the problem is a like the audience being unwilling to accept a gruff white man as the main character of a video game i think we can go back to i don't know 1842 and find video games all the way back then that start a gruff white dude that's right yeah very started very early long before the original video game crash right um, right even before pac-man himself and uh like i think two days or so or a day after the <laughs> john <laughs> tweeted this uh ben studio tweeted out a little image that says we're aware of the comments made by our previous creative director on days gone regarding his personal view on the critical reception of our ip and ben studio does not share his sentiment nor does it reflect the views of our team so you know that there was a that there was a PR intern at Ben Studio that was refreshing Twitter and went, "Oh, come on!" Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure John Garvin's just... going to have a lot of work coming his way soon. Too. Well, he's I just don't understand. I don't understand why developers keep doing this. Like, I get that you're trying to pander to a particular audience, but the vast majority of the gaming industry is not like bothered by what people are calling like wokeness like it's also, a very that's progressive not say, industry that's not to say that you should be bullied into making a game that you think will appear to a mass audience if you yeah. want to make a niche game or a game that you think targets a more niche sub demographic of video game players you're more than welcome to do that but you can't cry like wokeism or you can't cry prejudice against you for targeting that smaller demographic 
mm-hmm. it's supply and demand. If if there is less demand for an NFT game, because we all know that they're scams, um, then you can't come out the end of the side of it and think, oh, that's so weird. My last game from a critically acclaimed studio um, sold shit tons more than this garbage that I'm flocking to a demographic that doesn't like NFTs and is aware of the scam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is the same, dare I say, clown who, when asked about, like David Jaffe asked him about, oh, hey, like, Days Gone has had a resurgence recently after all the patches, and it's been on, like, PS Plus. People are liking it. It's kind of like, you know, renaissance for the game. And this man's response is, yeah, well, if they love the game, they should buy it at fucking full price. And it's like, you are just misunderstanding the community like completely. Like, mm-hmm. sure, is it better for the studio bottom line if every single player of your game buys it at the full $60 at the time, $70 now? For sure. Yeah, it's better for you. But it's I would argue it's also just as good to have positive word of mouth where people discover like, oh, hey, this game is actually pretty good, you know? Like That's where a lot like, of the hype. Go ahead. Honestly, it feels like we're a few months from him just doing full-on rants about, in you know, the entitled millennials and Zoomers and mm-hmm. up going down that path. Yeah, he's probably at some point going to say all they're doing is playing Fortnite to play a real video game, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> people, people get angry and find the weirdest hills to die on. How pissed was he when people like they were talking positively about The Last of Us Part Two? <laughs> <laughs> Too woke, yeah. or, or Cyberpunk? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Cyberpunk literally is like sex cells in in the video game. Yes. It's like it is. It is sex cells plus a terrible mess. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember when it first launched. You know, all the bugs aside, there was that weird like a weird problem with the number of dildos that are just. <laughs> everywhere <laughs> right so that's that's yeah. the future you don't, you may not like it but that's the future that's the future yeah. everything converges at the dildo point hmm. i hate everything you just said there scrappy <laughs> wow that's profound let's let's make that the title <laughs> thank you everything converges at the dildo point yeah putting quotes <laughs> Not right. sure I know what that means, but okay. Me neither. It means what you want it to mean. But uh, yeah, I I do think to kind of go back to this whole woke reviewers thing. I think it's something that we we've, we've seen kind of surge a lot in the industry, right? At least, at least among the community, is a very small but very obnoxiously loud minority that is so anti-progressive and use the word woke to kind of basically make any argument you know what i mean like even if it's not defined recently did it like by marianne webster or something yeah i know they've done they've done something i thought i thought they tweeted something out uh keep keep talking i'm gonna find where they can track this down yeah you're right though there's definitely been like this over the last year ish like this continued surge of that kind of stuff where something happens to a developer or um, something isn't received they want it to and it's it's the woke reviewers fault or it's you know the woke zoomers like if your game can't stand on its own without some sort of i, I don't i don't know it that's your game's problem it's not the reviewers problem and you know i think you were right earlier to where find 
reviewers you like or that you identify with like kind of from a a gameplay perspective but at the same time look at reviews as a a guiding factor not like gospel like we're not here to to basically we're not publishing reviews to say we want you to buy this we're publishing reviews to say this was our experience with the game if if this is what you're cool with and what kind of identifies with how you like to play games pick it up oh reviewers are not saying like don't buy this or buy this in reviews some calling obviously but for the most part it's it's meant to be a guiding factor in kind of us discussing the merits of a game um not so much any of the messaging with it just the blanket use of well i don't agree with you you're woke it's like it's like the 21st century equivalent of very much losing an argument but then pointing out that someone used the wrong version of their when they were smacking you down (laughs) like it's okay clearly you don't have anything better to say because this is your fallback so you've lost i find it funny that they would think that reviewers could snuff out a game like days gone a first party sony major title like if someone wanted to play it and saw like they're gonna play it it's not like it's some indie game or small game where like if the media just didn't want to talk to it a lot of time talk about it a lot of times those won't get the attention or whatever Mm -hmm. uh because they don't have the massive you know million millions of millions of dollars for marketing where something like days gone is a major game like it's gonna reach its audience and whether they want it or not that's that's up to them they've even been seeing trailers for it for years before it came out yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I mean, we we saw this too with another PlayStation exclusive, The Last of Us, right? It, it wasn't that the woke reviewers bashed it, but more that there was a, another contingency of people who were angry at the game and kept calling it woke for oh, myriad yeah. reasons, for no real reason, and yeah, kept making up reason. false like claims just to justify their like, oh, I hate this woke garbage sort of stance. Well, you it's know? funny you say that too because I've seen um over the last couple of years people who previously when it came out praised the last of us very highly now say that it's woke mm-hmm. so there's definitely there's been a shift from a mentality perspective to where even people like if i've gone back through people's tweets and been like well you praised it like six years ago what mm-hmm. changed that type of stuff is very strange to see but it's definitely becoming more prevalent i mean it's not that strange to see. You know why it happened. Yeah. Because yeah. bigots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Six, what bigots. happened yeah. six years ago? Oh my God, mm. it was six years ago. Mm. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, even, I remember 2016. Some of the some of the largest stink when Lost of Us Part Two was coming out was that they thought that Abby was trans and just a masked female. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that that wasn't the case but tell you what that didn't stop any fucking aggression yeah people still say it yeah Yeah. it's just it's bigotry that's like the the leading cause of stupidity here and we're seeing i mean we're seeing a shift in the developer side of the industry to where the people who are saying things like this are getting punished so well not like punish punish but like less opportunities so it yeah. it just kind of blows my mind that he said what he said, knowing that a lot of the actual game development side is going more progressive in terms of ideals and you look at unions and things like that. There's this huge shift in the games industry. 
and saying I don't that think it's progressive to say that companies are leaning towards recognizing basic human rights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I also think it's it's fair to point out that as as much as there there is a, a group of people in the industry that do want this the like things to be more progressive and more, you know, humans are humans and we should treat humans with basic decency. Uh Call of Duty, the most hua motherfucking thing on the planet, is still like the biggest video game moneymaker. And that it like I wouldn't call it outright like right leaning. But it definitely is coded very conservative. I mean, the first yeah. game of Call of Duty you could play as a woman was also the first game you could play as a dog. Mm. So that's that kind of you know gives you a bit of a timeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, us woke reviewers are done talking about this story. I think you know we need to move on, or else, or else we're going to get too triggered by the his his Twitter is now privated as well. I just yeah. went to, went to check to see if there was. Anything else, any fun nuggets that he had tweeted since then, but mm -hmm. unfortunately yeah. not. It was pretty quick after he tweeted that out, because I remember seeing the stories like that day, and then I went to his Twitter, and it was already private. So I was like, hmm. I think yeah. he, he deleted it about six out. hours later to you. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, people like him, they love to be the perpetual victim, and that's all mm -hmm. it is. He, he, he deleted it because people were so mean to him. Of course. They were so mean to him in his game with the gruff white man. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some more businessy kind of news. The Federal Trade Commission here in the United States has sued to block Microsoft's active uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, um, citing specifically that uh, when the European Commission reviewed their uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Zenimax, the FTC claims that the European Commission was led to believe that games like Starfield and Redfall and the Elder Scrolls would still not what well, they wouldn't be exclusive and then just a month or two later uh Microsoft confirmed that Starfield is an Xbox exclusive Redfall is an Xbox one well, PC exclusive um and because of that the FTC is led has been led to believe that Call of Duty and other big Activision Blizzard products will only be a Microsoft exclusive and that is too much monopoly power so they are blocking it and then the European Commission comes out uh, <laughs> one of their spokespeople says hey uh, we did not we were not led to believe that you know the, these Xbox this Xbox exclusive content would lead to a monopoly and uh, you know, we we cleared the Microsoft Zenimax transaction unconditionally as it concluded that the transaction would not raise competition concerns. So this is like that isn't the only point that the FTC brings up in its uh, litigation. However, it is one of the major sticking points here. And the other like the Europe's FTC essentially just said, hey, not nope, not us. Yeah, yeah, they definitely called they basically called the Zenimax transaction a preview of this one too um basically so that sale purchase is going to definitely impact the direction this goes um but from what i've been reading it's it's not set in stone that it will get blocked i think we're still very early um and i'm definitely curious to see what kind of arguments microsoft brings to the table um because I mean, there's a lot of directions they can go, but I mean, ultimately, this this is a huge deal. I mean, it's it's monstrous. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it could very well fuel a monopoly. Um, you know, it's kind of Microsoft was that like early 2000s all over again, where they got sued by the FTC for some of their business practices that were monopolistic. Right. So um, right. different sphere, though, right? We're talking this was like Internet. Explorer, yeah, that was more on the, the video game. side. Yeah. Um, so this is not the first time Microsoft's had to fight something like this. Um, but it definitely is probably one of the biggest deals in gaming of all time, which is why it's under the level of scrutiny that it's under. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think this is such a tricky one to debate because you're debating a lot of hypotheticals, right? Because uh, Microsoft, like, if they do end up owning Activision Blizzard, they can decide to do whatever the fuck they want to do with their IP, like, at a drop of a hat, right? So you could hypothetically say that even though right now, as we speak, uh, Nintendo has signed a deal with Microsoft, a 10-year-long deal, which is a commitment to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo systems, Right, whether that's the current Switch where it'll run at two frames per second, or a Switch Two or whatever the next Nintendo hardware is. No, right? no, no. You're missing, you're missing the big picture. They're yeah. just going to launch a cloud edition, run that's it true. off Xbox Game Plus servers. They don't have to do shit. They just need that's to true. create a Switch cartridge that will let you access Game Pass. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And thank you for bringing up the Game Pass plug. I'm glad yeah. that we yeah. Start it here, um, but but so you know that that's one thing. But then hypothetically, you could always just say, "Oh," and then Phil will just wake up the next day and be like, "Just kidding," and then make Call of Duty exclusive. Like you could totally hypothetically say mm -hmm. that, right? But then you could also point at when Microsoft acquired Minecraft, they totally could have just said, "Yep, you need to be on Xbox or PC to play Minecraft," and instead they were like, "And we're bringing it to iPhone and your Tamagotchi and your Ouya." Like they're bringing, they brought it everywhere. It was a 3DS edition of yeah. Minecraft for a bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you could make up hypothetical situations that go both ways, which I think is what makes this so difficult because you're also dealing with a, a $69 billion acquisition. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah, I think they'd be hurting themselves. Like everybody's like, well, they should do Call of Duty. They'll sell more consoles. I think they would be legitimately hurting themselves if they were to stick Call of Duty on only one platform. Like, oh, for from sure. a business case perspective, it's dumb. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Sony knows it, but they still, they are very threatened by Xbox and, and Microsoft Studios because of their size, because of Game Pass. Um, and so they're trying to protect their market cap at the end of the day. Um, but at the same time, like, there are enough... Call of Duty gamers on PlayStation that that would be a huge revenue hit for them to limit to Xbox because yeah. a lot of gamers if you're you know used to one platform you're not necessarily buying the other one just because of one game it's usually because of a lot more than one game mm -hmm. um so I'll be curious I mean Phil's kind of reached out that olive branch right to he's done it with Nintendo he's trying to do it with PlayStation um whether that is like Steam as well yeah, and yeah. I mean, if it, yeah. whether or not it's earnest or part of trying to be like, hey, FTCC, we're playing fair, it remains to be seen. I mean, it's obviously a show for the FTC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think Microsoft is totally fine with everybody make, arguing with what they are because they're playing the long game. The idea of console exclusivity and all that stuff isn't going to matter to them in the future. And 10 years is means is no fucking time at all. Yeah. for a company like microsoft 10 years sounds like a lot to to people that don't know anything They're like oh wow how generous of them it's like 
that's no if if it's 10 years and after that they can just do whatever they want because everybody gives them a pass because they gave them 10 years that's nothing it'd be like disney being like okay we gave everybody 10 years of mickey but now it's ours (laughs) forever and it's like oh yeah that's right it is very valuable forever but it feels like they're definitely playing the long game of like we're we're building an ecosystem and we're building this the streaming and stuff. We're gonna be on every device. I don't need a console in the future yeah. necessarily. I'm gonna sell you a controller and a login, and I have these games. That's what it is. So they're like, that's fine as long as they get their IP. Like I'm sure they'll make all kinds of concessions for console stuff for now because they're playing the long game. Right. I think that's what makes this argument so tricky, right? Is that if this were if this were like 2015 Microsoft, I, I think I'd lean more toward what the FTC is trying to do. Oh, because yeah. that, back then, right, that Microsoft was all about like you're playing on the Xbox One, right? This is the, the machine that you buy to play our video games and all the video that's games right. that we support. And the, the Kinect but, is the future. Right. It's, it still is in my heart. Um, but lest I remind you, I saw I saw like a tweet about the the game awards that was about like, man, it's it's kind of an L for Microsoft that they didn't have anything at the game awards, which I found very interesting because to me, I was like, I, I don't think Microsoft won quote unquote the announcement game or whatever. But anytime they showed up, it was about that Samsung X Game Pass or Microsoft streaming thing. Like it was all about the like, you don't need our box. If you have a Samsung TV, you can already play our games. That was their message. It wasn't check out Halo Infinite season, whatever, right? Like no one gives a shit about that. that. That's what they want you on. That's what they're getting you to. They they want to be Netflix. They want to be that subscription on your credit card that just renews every month. And if you happen to use Netflix that month, cool. If you don't, uh, well, it's going to be more of a pain to cancel and then re-get it. So I might as well just keep game pass mm-hmm. well it's much one of those like it takes nothing to uh or very little in comparison to have someone get invested in your ecosystem because that's what consoles are they sell them at a loss so that they get you stuck into their ecosystem and if they get rid of that completely that's huge so like they don't they don't give a shit about that and i'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if 10, 15 years from now there isn't an quote unquote Xbox other than some streaming like device a stick thing. or something. Yeah, yeah my Let's guess would the be Xbox app. Yeah. My guess would be in 10 years we don't see how we have like the Xbox Series X and the Series S, or we don't have like the pro edition of a console and a standard. Yeah. I reckon that they will release that thousand dollar, like this is the this is the absolute enthusiast device yeah crank it up to all the power we only need to make half as many and then anyone else who's interested by now you hopefully have gigabit um just your tv you already have your old xbox console you already have um, yeah. our new streaming stick that you know we've got that also has netflix hulu all of your other media apps play it yep. yeah. just play it there I'm sure that yeah. is. Yeah, there's not going to be these cheap, cheap in comparison consoles, mm-hmm. like a $500 console, like a four or something like that coming out at mass. I'd be surprised. Yeah. Either that or it's going to be a super cheap streaming stick of some kind. Yeah, that's that's right. so. it's a Roku of which of we know Xbox. they're working on. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's it's that difference in strategy, right? Where there's not that much of a hardware entry point where it doesn't quite feel like an exclusivity problem, monopolization problem, because while Microsoft is acquiring all the software, they're also lowering their hardware barriers. So yeah. it doesn't feel like, oh, now I have to buy the Xbox One X or, or Xbox Series X or mm -hmm. else I can't play that video game because... Yeah. You can just download the app on your TV or stream it from your phone or, you know, kind of stuff. That's, yeah. I mean, that's Project the key to your brain. The key difference exactly. in philosophy between Xbox and PlayStation is like PlayStation is very focused on the here and now. Like we want to win right now. And Microsoft Microsoft's just like, fuck it. We'll win 10 years from now. Like well, I think we're it's putting so everything in place for the future. Not yeah. so concerned with right now. They bought Zenimax not for anything right now but for what they want to do in the future and they and we whenever we talk about them i always like to remind people like sony is a puny company in comparison to microsoft yeah. yes. microsoft has insane amount of money because they make an insane amount of money i mean but then as well as the ftc is talking about you know monopolization in the industry if you compare where microsoft is in the industry to sony is in the industry you'll see that sony's share is like an extra 50% larger. Yeah. So it's also weird. It's like Microsoft isn't the underdog, but they're also certainly not the big dog. It's no, like, yes. depending well, on which way you want to look at it, it tells a different story. Well, the, the hard part is, right, when you're talking about the, the pure software itself, Xbox doesn't show up that well, the Xbox brand. Like if you're talking just video games, because yeah. uh, you know they, they Microsoft did announce that they're raising their first party prices to seventy dollars. Which man, I can't wait to buy Halo Infinite at seventy dollars. Um, it's just a better, more incentive to do Game Pass, guys. Yeah, well, that, I mean this is realistically a first step yeah. into them announcing, and then Game Pass Ultimate is going to be twenty dollars a month instead of mm -hmm. what is that like fifteen right now plus tax? Well, but they yeah. also have the family plan coming out as well, which is oh, going to, right. for people who, you know, the same way that Nintendo's family plan, you know, you can get together, it's like 80 bucks for a year, but you can put eight people on it. And suddenly if you and even like three friends get together, you're back down to paying this, the standard single rate with all the benefits right. that knowing that this family plan is as open because they're currently trialing it in some regions. Um, it is as open. It does provide that good a discount. Um, so, you know, I reckon that is more likely what we'll see. We'll see the raise of the game pass ultimate, but then also here's this family plan. If you and six people get together, then you're paying, you know, back to what the original price of ultimate was. <laughs> yeah I, I just think we're in such a weird place with where this is now because i think that this story will develop and if if the ftc is reliable on anything is that it is slow and we probably won't <laughs> see much movement on this for a while or at least yeah. like the next you know major like the thing the public will know about i'm sure in the back side on the back right like background their lawyers are going to be working some shit out that we won't know about for weeks, months from now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, at the, you know, the nature of these things. At the moment as well, like quite, quite publicly, Sony has been at the ear of the FTC. Um, we've seen all kinds of comments and documents and especially stuff coming out of Brazil with 
Sony making some questionable arguments. Um, now that it is, you know, in in the court of law, FTC against Microsoft, I wonder how much we'll still see a Sony presence there, like, or you know, how how active are they really going to push to to swat this away? Yeah, because um, I mean, definitely Sony seems uh, jostled. Because if I remember right, sure. isn't it? It's Sony that's really the the only major player in the industry that's yeah raising a red flag like pretty much yeah. every single every large first party provider was just like we don't we don't care what mm -hmm. we don't have anything else to say um but sony did make a couple of weird arguments in relation to you know the monopolization or referencing call of duty as a genre unto its own um yeah and a, and a whole bunch of other weird stuff or you know, taking games away from players or making it harder to access games for players while raising the prices of games or paying for very, very clear exclusivity. I say that with no issue with exclusives whatsoever. It's business. Um, but to it's say they bring it up when they you can't do, do that themselves. Yeah, to yeah. say you can't do that while you've got 12 I'll exclusives say, that you've paid for behind you. Yeah, they do that, but like a lot of their first party stuff are kind of homegrown. Like they're they they they've been either they purchased the company after they've already been making excuses for them forever, already, mm -hmm. or they're already an in-house company. So right. I guess that's a little bit different how Sony's doing. Sony doesn't have many acquisitions as Microsoft, obviously, and mm -hmm. a lot of the acquisitions they have done, they've already been like I said, they've been doing exclusive shit forever for PlayStation anyway. Right. Uh, and Microsoft's going out of their way to be like, that's a popular brand that everybody likes. I want that. And then they buy it. <laughs> Give me that. Uh, yeah. And so I could, def that's definitely more monopolistic actions where Sony's definitely been a lot more careful and curated in, in playing the long game of how they, they build. Yeah. IPs. Like to build right. up the relationship to the point where, yeah. like, well, this can't fail. We've already been working together and then a purchase occurs. Yeah. Right. But I still think we're not quite at the point of monopolization or even a worry about it. Cause let's say hypothetically we get to the point where Microsoft does acquire, like it, it goes through, they own Activision Blizzard, right? I don't really believe that they would make Hall of Duty Xbox exclusive. I think, I mean, I agree with Rut that that would be a bad financial move on their part, but let's let's take that off the table right like let's look at where microsoft is right now where starfield is going to be an exclusive and redfall is going to be an exclusive and potentially skyrim 2 is going to be an exclusive right so when you look at playstation side of the fence they don't have any exclusive that kind of really matches up in that way i do feel like as much as we like sony's exclusives they do kind of fall into that that range of like narrative sad dad action adventure right like like a lot of them kind of fit that niche there's a little like little differences right? like you know ghost of tsushima is assassin's creed but japan right or um Be detroit become human is telltale but whatever the garbage <laughs> david cage makes but abusive uh, yeah but you know they, they have a few that go out there in in terms of genre but like the ones that hit really hard last of us god of war you know, the, the, those kind of fit that niche. There, there's nothing yeah. that's going to be like Starfield or Skyrim on Sony's side. 
But like you were saying, Otten, they have a lot of homegrown talent that they've been working with for decades. Yeah. And I'd be pretty confident that at least one of those studios could be like, okay, well, we need to make something that's like a Skyrim. Oh, they've already been... Um, they're, they're doing all those games as a service. They're like making like six or some shit right now. It's just yeah. growing. Hoping one sticks we'll, is what they're doing. Right. We also but know they, that Naughty Dog is moving on to something non-Uncharted. Mm-hmm. And they're giving the Uncharted franchise to a different company for like a reboot or something. I think the yeah, latter half of that is rumors at the moment. And they're working on that Last of Us like multiplayer. Like the, yeah, the part like two all in multiplayer. Are they still working on that? No. <laughs> Allegedly. Supposedly. Yeah, but but you know that's kind of my point is that if if this were a monopoly, it would mean that Sony couldn't do anything about this. But I do right. think that they have enough talent on their side. Where if they really wanted to, they could make their own take on like an open world, you know, fantasy game or right. a spacefaring whatever game. Right. Or you know, they own Bungie. They could just make Halo, <laughs> right? Like they they have the talent to do what they want to do. Yeah. Well, the other thing we haven't really talked about is Nintendo still exists. And their games, their first party games, like shit on the sales of every other company. Yep. <laughs> like yep. a forty of like some some forty mil, uh, forty million copy selling thing isn't a big deal at Nintendo. Like, oh yeah, that's just run of the mill Nintendo mm-hmm. sales, which is would be created. Square Enix would just you know love that. Yeah, five and times two Tomb Raider. Finally, Tomb Raider could be profitable, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> just nothing. Nintendo's just like ah, we don't give a shit. We're doing our own thing. Yeah, and Nintendo's yeah. always been good at that, right? Like, remember when PlayStation yeah. tried to make Smash Bros? Womp womp. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of back when we had, like, when you had your Xbox, your PS2, and your GameCube sitting right next to each other in your cabinet. Kind of, I mean, even then, GameCube was kind of doing its own thing, but it still, it felt like everyone was running the same race. Yeah. With the Wii, Nintendo was like, nah, I'm going to run my own race. Mm-hmm. And then I think what we're seeing here with Microsoft going off into streaming and and you know subscription games that that you subscribe and can just play a shit ton of them i think that that's more microsoft going off and being like okay like yes sony you you sell the most consoles we're gonna go over here and do this instead yep Yep. yeah it's it's sony's uh they're just seeing a piece of their pie slip away where the, the future of playstation is probably something like nintendo where they're like eh we just have to carry care about our shit. Yeah. Third party stuff that's nice if we get some of that on the side, but I guess we're not getting that as much anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the the day Xbox makes a God of War like like a game where truly the narrative is is like the best part of it and it's like an action I mean, adventure or whatever. I think Senua was meant to be that. Yeah, but that it, could be. It still fe- it has like that feel of an indie. Um of an indie title that that holds it back to an extent hmm. the original i'm sure the sequel yeah. will be a big a big thing yeah the sequel's gonna be huge yeah but i i just think that right now they're both in such different lanes when it comes to software that even though yes they're both uh exclusives like you know they both have their own exclusives i don't feel like one owns all of the games and in, in industry in a way that monopoly would imply well, i mean Although, the advantage but- the advantage that PlayStation has that they're not monopolizing the on... Is it Spider-Man? <laughs> no, it's, it's their backlog of content. I mean... That they are not using. They are not, they're not monetizing it. If they so frustrating. took the, the opportunity to sit down and say, like, okay, these are some of the most beloved PS1, PS2 games 
let's make them accessible underneath an umbrella like Game Pass. They'd make stupid money. I would go buy a PlayStation 5 just to play some of the older PS1 and PS2 games hey, without having to emulate. This, this is PlayStation Plus ex, extra, extra pre, premium oh, yeah, premium erasure. Like a bunch of games. You can no, play a bunch they, of classic games right not now. Not that many. Not as many like, as they could like have. Hundreds. Have you have you guys like since since PlayStation Plus Essentials released like six months ago? I think that there's maybe been like five PS1 games that have been added, if that. That yeah. all they have to do is monopolize on that in some way, shape, or form. Take that backlog that everyone remembers playing as a kid, make it easily accessible in some way, shape, or form. Is, is You're this making your, is this your backdoor dark cloud three moment? Is this your yes? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean that's the thing. Like, I think that you had the PS2 games on PS4, but you don't have them on PS5 at the moment. So, like, what they've continued to do console after console is leave the previous consoles behind in some way, shape, or form, and like without realizing that a lot of people are nostalgic and will play the older games if you make them more readily available. Um, I mean, look at people, the the links that Nintendo has to go to to stop people emulating older games because of the amount that people want to play. Mm. Like, make that stuff readily available and easy to get and monetize it, and you've got month-after-month subscription revenue. Like, So I'm looking at the Eurogamer article, and... It's at least been updated as early as September 20th. They have added one PS1 game um, and six PSP games. Are they are they like would would you say, oh, I'm excited, I would play that? Echo Shift, Loco Roco, Toy Story 3 for PSP, mm. and they added Siphon Filter 2. Um Oh, was that one of the ones but by like, Ben Studio? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just I rest it's my baffling. case. It's truly baffling. They have <laughs> so much in their backlog. Uh, but I mean, back when this was first announced, you can go back and listen to those podcast episodes, um, and I'll talk about my skepticism with the PS2 games for PS4, where they only put out fifty games. Um, <laughs> It's just for a library that massive, they're leaving money on the table. It's wild. <laughs> I, that could be their differentiator. Like Microsoft's got Game Pass with everything that it includes. And then PlayStation has some sort of classics mm-hmm. subscription that allows you to get older older games that are harder to play via emulation. I mean, the standard... I can go out and buy a PlayStation 1 classic and have access to more games. And if I subscribe to their new service on my PS5, yeah. oh damn, mind blowing! Yeah, yeah but if they give me that service, they can't sell it to you in some other form later. Is what mm-hmm. some stupid executives thinking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like emulation. Yes, it is very readily available, but a lot of people don't want to jump through the hurdles that sometimes you'll run into with emulation. Like, I don't want to figure out why this game's running too fast. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's. <laughs> There's a barrier, and if they can just remove that barrier completely, make them affordable. Like, don't be charging thirty dollars for a PS One game, like ten bucks per or something. 
you're just going to get kind of a, a a velocity going. And the fact that they just continue to be like so focused on something like Call of Duty when they've got this gold nugget that's just covered in a little bit of dirt right now that they could just brush off is baffling to me. Well, it's like they say, guys, play has no limits. Am I right? <laughs> right guys, play has no limits. <sighs> Except the console. Yeah, I really feel like Sony shot themselves in the foot with that uh, that little tagline because consistently it's been proven false. Like even, even this right now, right? They're like, play has no limits. Except that, Microsoft, please give us that. Please give that back. Please don't, <laughs> please don't take that from us. You know? It's, it's frustrating. I, at some point, there will be a wake-up call, I hope. But right now, I just... I don't have a lot of confidence in Sony as as like a value in gaming. Like, why would I buy a PlayStation 5 console that there's maybe a handful of games that interest me when I can either just use my PC or an, an Xbox console and access a lot more or without having to pay $70 a pop? Well, I can give you a reason to buy a PlayStation 5. Uh, for Spoken. Final Fantasy? For, well, that too, but also Forspoken. <laughs> Great segue. Thank you. Uh, Forspoken, also coming out on PC, is uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> it, there's a demo out right now on PS5. I've been playing it. Um, they do say they've harnessed the power of the PlayStation 5, though, if that means anything to you, Rut, mm. if you'd like to buy one. To I mean, the fact that it's coming out on PC at the same time. The last game that touted that they had harnessed the power of the PS5 was, uh, what, Godfall? Yes. That then released on PS4. Oh, right yeah well because then they tamed the power right um <laughs> too much gold <laughs> too much uh so forespoken is that new game from square enix that from luminous production the people who made final fantasy 15 right um mm -hmm. and you really feel that in the dna of this game and i should also say that this morning when the podcast goes live we will have um We'll have a another hands-on preview of Forspoken and an interview with the devs. Uh, so do check that out. There's some pretty interesting tidbits that we got from the interview that's uh, really great. So please go ahead and read that. It's pretty and fascinating. We should specify that our preview is from a, a like from a preview that is not the publicly available demo. So yes, yeah, there's going to yeah, be much more, more more there. I think yes. she played like four hours or something. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she played a good chunk. Yeah, like she told me that uh, our our previewer Courtney, she said that the preview at New York was chapters two, three, and five, whereas the demo I think is chapter four. So that's kind of what you're looking at in terms of the differences. Um, so if you go out to PlayStation right now and download it, you will be playing chapter four or so. Uh, it doesn't say that in the game, though, so take that for what you will. Uh, if you're watching on video, Rutz Dog is having a good time in the background right now, just just hanging out. Well, perfect. perfect. Absolute perfection. Um, so Forspoken feels like... Um, the, you guys remember in Final Fantasy 15, the gameplay was just hold one button to attack and hold one button to dodge everything. And mm -hmm. Noctis will like auto dodge with his like magic teleporting ability yeah. thing. So Forspoken feels like they took that auto dodge and made a full video game out of it. Um, because you, you do everything kind of a little more manually. So like when you hold 
circle you do your magic parkour which we've all seen in the trailers it's where Frey kind of runs really fast climbs up stuff automatically vaults over low you know low uh, obstacles and all that right so that's sort of your auto dodge but now you don't automatically dodge you know you have to manually get out of the way or if you press it right before a hit you will do an auto dodge but you can't just like hold it down right um and then all of your spells are tar are locked on your triggers so your right trigger your r2 is going to do more uh, basic offensive spells and your l2 is going to be doing more support spells so if you think of it like a shooter it's like your right triggers your gun your left triggers your grenade is mm. kind of how that kind of shakes out and then the l1 r1 brings up radial menus that you swap between all of your spells so it's a little bit of a complex uh system at first especially with the demo because they throw you in after you've learned like a ton of spells so you know you're you're kind of you're in on the fifth floor instead of the ground floor you know right. so you're kind of learning a bunch of stuff all at once or trying to get used to it all at once um but the combat is very frenetic and chaotic and that's kind of my jam i wouldn't quite liken it to like a devil may cry but there is something very viscerally fun about like magic parkouring around dodging at the right time and like slinging spells which they do kind of auto target them which is useful because of just how much you're going to be moving around like like you can aim them manually if you want but I mean, some of them you do have to, but for the most part, I think the auto targeting works really well for what they're trying to go for here. Because they're not trying to go for like pro elite gamer, like headshot sort of things. They're definitely going for more, you know, fire all over the battlefield because of you and you're like in 20 places at once kind of a feeling. That's cool. so very much more cinematic combat versus skilled combat. I think there is more skill to it. I wouldn't quite call it cinematic. Okay. It is very flashy, but. You can die pretty quick if you don't dodge at the right time or like so if you do take a direct hit, your cuff, which is called cuff, uh, is a magical little guy, uh, will do a block for you. It, it feels like the um, the shield sign in Witcher. Uh, what's it like? Uh, Eared? Quen? Yeah, where you have like it feels like there's a bubble around you and every time you take a hit, you don't take well, you take a little bit of damage in Forspoken, but the the shield protects you and if you press triangle at the right time you do a big counter that like um clears the space around you to give you some like basically create a little pocket for you right yeah cool mm -hmm. but it's fun i think uh the running around feels pretty good feels pretty solid uh i do have a few worries about the world itself because it did feel like you remember how final fantasy 15 felt open like too open, open. like like really open oh you mean how the open world was fucking dog shit is that what you're getting it it was just a little bit <laughs> i mean it was it's pretty right like the final fantasy 15 yeah. open world is very pretty but it's very I empty guess. yes way too much driving Sucked. yes and forespoken i worry just like this area in the demo I felt a similar vibe of like, yeah, you get to run really fast, which is fun, but I'm still running for like two minutes. And oh. like these green fields are pretty, but they're all but green they fields. Be, and are they going to be pretty when you're 15 hours into the game? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's the big question. That's a worry Ooh. I do have is that the worlds are maybe too big for what 
what they're going for but they give you a map and you know you can highlight markers that are like oh go here to collect this thing go there to collect that thing so you know you'll at least know where you're going it's just going to take a bit to get between the spots mm. i yeah. don't have much faith in making a compelling open world mm. i can see that uh, and perhaps my favorite funny little thing is uh, in the accessibility menu, which I do recommend going through, especially if you're playing either the full game or the demo, because they have things like auto pickup, like resources, which is nice. Because when you're running oh, around, oh, the yeah. last thing you want to do is mash triangle. Auto pick up things. Um, but yeah. there's uh, a setting for, I, I forget what they call it exactly, but it's like the radiant dialogue between Frey and the cuff, where you can actually turn it down and turn it off. <laughs> I mean, you can also make it go like always talking too. So oh, you God. can you can make it whatever preference you want. But if you turn it to minimal, they say only story related things will be said between them. What kind of stuff do they say? Uh, they're very cheeky. They're very sarcastic. Like they're they're kind of you know have you ever had like a good friend but all you do is rib each other like you never say a nice thing to each other but you're also like the best. Of friends. <laughs> I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Really. Uh, <laughs> That's because Otten it's... has no fucking friends. What a loser. <laughs> it is a lot like that, where, you know, like, after you finish a battle, phrase like, huh, I did pretty good. And then the cuff's like, eh, passable. You know, it's a, that sort of thing. Um, so, so you're Sam. Got it. Yes. It's, uh... it's a fun little, you know, tete-a-tete. But I only played the demo for, like, I don't know, 90 minutes or so to, like, complete it. And I got to the end where it said, thanks for playing. And I was already hearing a lot of lines repeat. Um, which, you know, I mean, it's expected, but also if you're yeah. gonna build this game with the intent of there's a lot of radiant dialogue between these two while you roam around an open world to do a lot of activities, sometimes over and over, you need to record a lot of voice lines to keep yeah. it interesting. The mirror is gonna have us spoiled for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even like Guardians of the Galaxy, I think of that where there's like, a shit ton of radiant dialogue in that game. That's true. You know, it's the same. They weren't contending really with the open world, though. It was all level. It was all in here. Yeah. Yeah, but it felt natural and it felt good throughout. Yeah. There was never any like, God, shut up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this one is definitely like, it, it gets repetitive. You know, like you you pick up a thing, oh, I'll just pocket that for later, or you open up a chest, eh? I guess. You know, it, it's it's pretty constant. Um, and this was just on the normal setting. I didn't tweak that fray and cuff dialogue thing to be minimal or extra. It was just the as intended experience. Um, so mileage may vary on your enjoyment of that because there's a little bit of a Marvel E flair to it where it's like quippy, witty, like snarky, sarcastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, I think I'm so excited for Forspoken. That comes out January 24. Again, we have that preview on our site you can check out. Um, but I think that wraps up this week's episode of the Tech Raptor podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please feel free to leave a review, share it with a friend, hit subscribe on YouTube or on your podcatcher app or whatever else you happen to be listening on. And uh, hit us up on our socials where we're going to be interactive. You know, we'll maybe put out some polls, do some tweets. And, you know, if, if you say something funny or interesting, we might read it out here on the pod. Um, and you can also go to techraptor.net for more news, reviews, features, previews of Forspoken, and etc. cetera. Um, but if you want more of this show, we will be back next Monday. And we will see you then.
Thank you.